Good morning, and it's nice to see all of you this morning. Um, uh, like was mentioned, um, you know, uh, my family has grown as well, and I've got gained a few more uh, brothers and sisters and also uh, wonderful parents. And Grandma actually was waving her hand um, as Dad was mentioning the family. So I just wanted to mention, Grandma, we love you, and we know um, that you're there. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, it's funny because uh, when Rachel married me, uh, her maiden name is McKay, and Dad would make a joke, uh, do you want to change your last name to McChun instead? Yes. And a last name that he didn't think about was, what about Chunke? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought of that right now. So, <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to be in the book. Actually, <laughs> Uh, this, e this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 16, and um, on a more serious note, uh, we know that uh, what's been going on, um, just a lot of news about uh, Las Vegas and the tragedy there, and uh, it just seems like everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, someone has been affected, and it's not that there was that many people in Las Vegas, but it's amazing how many people have, they know somebody who's been affected. And um, it's just a tragedy that, um, thinking a lot about it and thinking, as I prepared for a message this morning, uh, it just really hits home when you just think about the lost, sharing the gospel, the need to share the gospel. Um, I was just praying this past week as I prepared that the Lord would give me a heart for the lost. Uh, just because how many people died in Vegas not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? How many people, uh, they had no idea that this was going to happen. There's so many people over, that were there, probably around the age, maybe under 20. They had no idea. They probably thought that they were going to live a long, healthy life. And this happened. And now, hopefully, our hope is that uh, many of them trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, this would be an awakening for uh, many of the family members to uh, figure out what's going to happen when someone dies. So this morning in Acts chapter 16, I just wanted to uh, go through some thoughts in Acts chapter 16. And the book of Acts, the author is Luke. And uh, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke as well as the Book of Acts. Uh, the Book of Acts is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, or more, I think, accurately, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, Luke was a, a physician, and in the two books he writes, he demonstrates the use uh, and understanding of medical terms, as he is Dr. Luke. And Luke was uh, with the Apostle Paul and certain periods of his ministry. When you read through Acts, uh, you're going to see Luke include himself when he says us and we, and other times he says they and them. And so you, you'll, if you read through the whole book of Acts, you'll see that. Um, the audience or the, the person that Luke is writing to, you can read in the beginning of Acts, and in Luke, is he, he refers to this gentleman as the most excellent Theophilus. It was written in around A.D. 63, and he explains to most excellent Theophilus 
all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And if you read in the book of Acts, it's a continuation of the disciples carrying on the ministry that the Lord Jesus began. Luke explains the, the obedience of the apostles to follow through with Jesus' parting command of to go and make disciples. We just heard a message on that recently. And to go and make disciples of all the nations, nations baptizing and teaching them. In Acts, we see the formation of the church. And I just wanted to give a little uh, background of Acts. And we see the formation of the church and the, the apostles being filled with the Holy Ghost, which empowers them. And they're able with boldness and courage to explain who the Lord Jesus Christ was, why the Lord Jesus Christ had to die. And it, this message is proclaimed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it spreads out all the way to Europe, as we're going to read. When you read about Paul and his conversion, it's a very unlikely story. He's a man who persecuted those that were called Christians. He's a man that martyred these people. And yet, through the conversion on his road to Damascus, he becomes a changed man. And he ends up becoming a man who writes a huge chunk of the New Testament. And he, he does so much. And we, we follow his example as he imitates Christ. The Apostle Paul, he takes three journeys with uh, different men. Uh, it starts off with Barnabas. And uh, John Mark is there with him. But then uh, John Mark or Mark deserts them. And so on the second journey... Paul has a very sharp dispute with Barnabas about whether to take Mark. He, for whatever reason, we don't really know why Mark left them, but he left them, and Paul wasn't very happy about that, so he didn't want him to come again because he thought maybe he'll desert us again. And Barnabas and Mark were cousins, and moving forward, we know that later on we read that Paul's relationship with Mark is restored, and he even calls Mark an asset or someone who is useful uh, to the work of the Lord. And let's just uh, look to the Lord before we uh, dig into his word. Our dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you this morning that as we look to the Lord Jesus Christ as our head, we realize what he's done for us and how great of a work he has accomplished. Father, we just sang about him and just how marvelous he is, how great he is, and how he's redeemed us through his sacrifice on the cross. We just ask that as we look at your word, we look at the gospel, we look at the spreading of the gospel, that you would put in our hearts a desire to do so as well. We pray all these things in the name of our pre precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts chapter, actually, I just wanted to read starting in verse 41, and uh, jump into chapter 16. And he was traveling through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So this is Paul and Silas. And verse, chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, 
They were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came into Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. So I want to stop there, and we see that Barnabas and Mark, they take the sea route, and Paul and Silas, if you look at the map, take the land route for the first half of their journey. And I was just thinking, if I was to decide which group to go with, I'd probably choose Paul and Silas just because I went uh, on a deep-sea fishing trip with the, some of the men at this assembly, and I actually got a little seasick. And I've been on boats before, uh, but I got seasick, and that wasn't a fun experience. So I'll probably take uh, the Barnabas and Mark route. Um, but uh, we see that Timothy is introduced here, and the past, they pass a few cities because the Holy Spirit tells them not to go there. And in verse 9, we see that Paul had a vision about a man from Macedonia beckoning him to come and help them in Macedonia. Uh, I think uh, one of the things we see with this beckoning to Macedonia, uh, the gospel was uh, all around Asia at this point. Uh, Paul had made those trips and uh, previously with Barnabas in the first journey, and uh, we're going to look at this trip, which is the second missionary journey of Paul and Silas, and Timothy joins him, and Silas joins him. And uh, one thing that I, I just thought about, the fact that the gospel, it was in Asia Minor, uh, or what we call Turkey, uh, modern day, but God has a plan, and he closes the door. He gives a vision uh, to Paul and tells him, don't go to Asia, but go here. And this area that we, we know it to be Greece, modern day, and this is how the gospel goes to Europe. It's amazing. I hadn't really thought of that until just studying this and thinking, you know, you think about the different areas that Paul went and how the gospel went forth. And I just think of how the God is, God is so good. He's so good. And we know that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And isn't that a wonderful thing, especially for us today? that the gospel has come to us, and hopefully um, every single person is in this room has heard the gospel. Well, if you haven't, I wanted to give it this morning. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 1 through 3, tells us what the gospel is. It says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand 
by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So that's the gospel for you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he died, he was killed, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and that, that resurrection was evidence of everything that was proof of everything that the Lord Jesus had said and done up to that point. Now, I just wanted to share a, a few more thoughts uh, when it comes to the gospel. And one of the, it's just amazing to hear about how a young brother in our assembly shared the gospel with someone older than him, uh, going through Awanas and learning the gospel verses. That, that's amazing. And the fact that uh, such a young man would be able to do something, we hope that all the young children here growing up in Awana, being taught by their parents here, would be able to do that same thing. That they can go out, uh, and all these verses that are, are drilled into their minds, are, are um, really uh, just put in their hearts, hopefully they take it to heart and they can go out and share the gospel. And um, some of the verses uh, that you can use to share the gospel um, that we've used at Boys Camp, we put it on bookmarks for the boys to keep. And I'm sure uh, many of you have heard these verses many times. But when you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, excuse me, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this gospel is for everyone. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This message of the gospel, it's so important. I don't know if everyone here knows it. But it says here in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that word sin is an archery term. And what sin means is when you don't hit the bullseye, you missed. You missed the mark. And when we sin one time in God's economy, you're a sinner. You, you're condemned. You deserve to go to hell. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, What? The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And, you know, you explain it to a child because, um, you know, as an adult, you have a job. You get, a, you get your wages. But for a kid, it's, it's, the concept is, is a little foreign to them. Not really. But uh, you explain it to them and you tell them, you know, when you work, you receive something. Well, for us, since we were born, we were sinners. We deserve the wages of our sin is death. But the beautiful part about Romans 6.23 is the second half. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Romans chapter 5, and, you know, I think maybe growing up, these verses I heard a lot because I did grow up in the church. But there's something about these verses as you share the gospel, when you tell people about these verses, it just gives you energy. I don't know what it is. There's, a, there's a, something in me where uh, when I have opportunity at work and I'm able to share the gospel, I could be having the most uh, tiring uh, day where I'm, I'm so fatigued, but yet when I share the gospel, there's something where I, I just feel lifted up. 
And in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8, and I'm just, I want to share this with you. Uh, maybe there's someone here who hasn't heard it, or if you have heard it, maybe this is something that uh, you uh, remind yourself and are able to maybe share the gospel this week. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. And in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was no love between the Lord Jesus Christ and us. Before we ever were, he knew how many sins we were going to commit. And every single person that I've ever talked to, if I ask them, have you ever met a perfect person? Are you perfect? Everyone says no. So God demonstrated his own love for us, for us, the imperfect. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And those are just some beautiful verses from Romans, and uh, that's called the Romans Road. And you can use those verses to share the gospel, to tell people. And if there's anyone um, who doesn't understand the gospel, there's plenty of people who would be happy to share the gospel with you if there's something you don't understand about the gospel. One thing that I feel some people have trouble with is eternal security, that when you trust Christ, you have eternal life, that you have a salvation. And there's plenty of verses in Scripture to back up that when you have eternal life, when you receive Christ, you can never lose it. It's eternal. That's why it's called eternal life. Amen. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I think that young brother who was sharing the gospel, he may have used this verse or a couple of verses like these. And it's a free gift. Why wouldn't you accept it? I hope that uh, those gospel verses um, would encourage your heart this morning. And if you hadn't thought about these things, if you haven't trusted Christ this morning maybe, uh, will be that morning where you decide to do so. Moving forward, going back to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And in verse 10, we have, some would call this the Macedonian call. God used a vision to call Paul and his group. And I explained earlier that the message went from Asia to Europe. And God uses vision. And I just want to say, dearly beloved of the Lord, do we understand the calling we have concerning the gospel? If you have truly trusted Christ as your Savior, if you know that you have eternal life, that his precious blood that was spilled, that we remember this morning, if we know these facts, do we understand the calling that we have? I think about myself and each and every person in this, in this room, we all have a sphere of influence. 
and uh, I, I tell people this, is that I don't know a lot of the people you know, and you don't know a lot of the people I know. And because of that fact, we have an opportunity as believers to share the gospel to these people that only maybe we can share the gospel with, that someone I may never have a chance to share the gospel with, but you do. Whether it's at work, school, um, socializing with family and friends, wherever we are, if you're a believer, I think it, it's a good time to share the gospel, especially with this most recent tragedy, knowing that life can be gone in an instant. I know that some people are shy, some people are bold, and there are those in between. But I think if we ask the Lord to give us the courage to share the gospel, give us the strength, because I'm sure if you talk to our brother Russ, who we pray for as he goes out to the pier, there's, there's no way that's an easy thing for him. Uh, and I, I, I'd have a very difficult time out there. But yet our brother goes out there faithfully sharing the gospel, uh, going in front of people that he doesn't know. And uh, there's probably tons of people that gather there at times. And maybe um, if you need some tips, he's a, a good brother to talk to about um, sharing the gospel. Um, if you're feeling shy, if you don't know exactly what to say. And I think God has tailored us to be able to reach out to those he has engineered around us. And I think that's important to realize is that those people around us, usually we become friends with people that are like-minded as us. You know, to be honest, um, you think about a group of believers, and often, sometimes that's not the case. Our commonality sometimes is Christ. And, you know, amen to that. You know, Christ is the commonality. Um, but most of the time, you know, you gather together with friends because you enjoy their company. Maybe you eat the, some of the same things. Um, I feel as though, um, as I met some of the brothers in Claremont, that I've introduced them to a lot of new um, Asian foods and exotic foods. Um, uh, but that, that, gave, that brought us together and gives us a bond. And when we receive the word from the Lord, our desire, it should be to obey it. And when you read verse 10, it says, When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. When we receive a word from the, the Lord, is our response immediate? Do we understand the Lord is asking us to do something and we're going to immediately go and do it? And each time we see, as we, when you read through the book of Acts, that as Paul and his companions and some of the other brothers are, are visiting cities, and Paul really wanted to visit all these assemblies to encourage them because he had already visited on the first journey all these different assemblies. And maybe not all of them, but some of them. And he really wanted to encourage them. And I think Barnabas, um, I think his name means uh, son of encouragement. I think he really had that heart as well. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16. Um, I guess that was quite a, a bit of intro and background. But Acts chapter 16, verse 11. And in verse 11 and 12, they arrive in Philippi. And uh, just a little bit of background on Philippi. Actually, uh, what's helped a little bit is uh, the discipleship program. Um, Brother Steve Price had us going through, or he still has us going through the Philippians. 
And so we all had to do a background on it. We had to uh, do a, a timeline of, of Paul's life. And so actually the, the background came really easy to me for Philippi. Um, but some of the things about Philippi uh, when it comes to secular history is uh, the city is named after King Philippi, or King Philip, excuse me, the second, um, who was father of Alexander the Great. Philippi was made a Roman colony by Augustus with mostly Gentiles living in it. The inhabitants of Philippi had the right to vote. They were Roman citizens, and they were governed by their own senate and legislator. And 1st and 2nd Corinthians were written in Philippi, and the first church in Europe was actually started in Philippi. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 13, it says, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the woman who had assembled. Um, in the excavation of Philippi, they found a gateway on the western region, and there is a small river that runs uh, next to that gateway, and that's probably where uh, this riverside is uh, referred to. I was going to make a pun about uh, where I grew up, Riverside, um, but it's not really funny, so <laughs> I decided to hold back, but I guess I kind of gave it. Um, it was a Sabbath, and they were looking for a place of prayer because there was no synagogue in Philippi. Now, as they were looking for a place of prayer, we see uh, they, run, they have a divine appointment with some women. And these women were assembled here. I don't know if they were here to come together and spend time with one another, um, to discuss business, just to talk, um, set up their business. Uh, it could have been that uh, this was the prayer meeting uh, that they were looking for that they had heard about. And uh, perhaps this lady, Lydia, was the leader of this prayer meeting. The funny thing, or maybe it's a sad thing, is you only see women present if this was a prayer meeting. Um, I see this kind of disgrace for the men at this time. I don't know where they were if this was a prayer meeting. And uh, my mother, her name is Lydia, and she's a woman of prayer. I really, um, I believe that by the grace of God, I've been able to get through this point in my life because of my mother's prayer, prayers. Um, I think she prayed me out of my rebellious stage, and um, the Lord was really gracious. I think, and I think most of us here know how important prayer is, yet oftentimes it's neglected. And I think for me that, happen, that happens a lot of times at work when things get really busy. And I know there's a lot of things I could be praying for, but I just kind of push those things to the back of my mind. But here we see uh, there's a, a gathering, or perhaps uh, this is a, a prayer meeting. I just wanted to, I hear um, stories of uh, women at the, the Western Assembly's home, and I'm sure the mothers here, um, that uh, they pray a lot. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for being a woman of prayer. Uh, a mother maybe praying for your child, um, a mother praying for her husband. It's, it's just such a huge, um, there's such so much power in prayer, and we read about it that we're supposed to pray continuously in the word of God. And in verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira 
a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Now, Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey, uh, which is about, about uh, it's just across the sea from Philippi. And uh, perhaps Lydia went over to Philippi because business would be better over there. Uh, but one thing is she brought the purple dye from Thyatira. Thyatira was a city that was known for um, their purple dye. And I just have to mention that, uh, you know, when you think of that, the purple, um, I think of like the purple robe that the Lord Jesus, what they put on him when he was being crucified. Um, it was for uh, people who were in royalty. They were the ones who normally uh, wore purple, but the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was going to be crucified, they put purple on him to mock him. So Lydia probably imported that purple dye from Thyatira across the sea to Philippi, uh, where she set up shop. And one thing you notice is she's a worshiper of God. How she came to be a worshiper of God, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, maybe she ran into some Jews. Uh, maybe uh, she had converted to Judaism. Um, I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't say, but... Maybe it was because Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. And perhaps that's the, that's the, the way that Lydia came to worship God. I'm not exactly sure. But there are many people in this world who understand that there is a God. I, I get into conversations with my coworkers and people around me, and a lot of them say, yeah, I believe in a God. I believe that there is a God. Or some say they're, they're atheists and they believe there is no God. But they have some sort of faith in something, maybe in themselves. They have a form of re religiosity, but have never been exposed to, gospel, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one thing is, she was a worshiper of God. And when Paul and his group came, she was listening. Now, I thought to myself, you know, who's, who's listening? When we're in conversation with other people, who's listening? Do we know that many people, and not to call my wife out, but she does like, she likes to eavesdrop a little bit here and there. So there's, I mean, I do too as well. So we, uh, we both are, are guilty of this, but then it's not, I don't think that's a sin. But... Um, we, li we like to listen to what other people have to say. And what are we saying when people listen? When people hear what we're saying, do they, do they hear encouragement, encouraging words, exhorting words, words from Scripture, words about the Lord? What do they hear? And I just wanted to take a moment to, for us to think about that. Who's listening to us? And here we see Lydia is listening to Paul. And how important and imperative it is for us to always be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we conduct, conduct ourselves daily. I think every single day. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some statistics about how many words we say on average every day. But it's, it's a lot of words. 
And with the, all the words that come out of her mouth, people are listening. And what, what are they listening to? We have the opportunity to share the gospel with whoever is listening, if they would listen. Our job as, as believers is to sow the seed and to water, but it's not our job to persuade. It's not our job to try and convert someone because that's not our job, that's the Lord's job. All we have to do is give the gospel. I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, it becomes a, a, a disagreement, a discussion, a, a debate maybe, even. It's kind of sad that we, we think that... Uh, we have to really try to defend God and try to force God, force that issue. When all we have to do is simply share the gospel message. It's so simple. And I love that it's so simple. God prepares the hearts of people and the Holy Spirit convicts. So it's, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's not our job to try and convict someone and, and to try and call them out for everything. And not, not to call out people who do that because you can um, there's people who use uh, the law to point to Christ. And that's exactly what the law is for. And in Colossians 3, verse 17, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And 1 Peter 4, 11, Whoever speaks, this one I have to always remind myself, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And we see that the Lord, we read in verse 14, it's the Lord that opened up her heart to respond to the things that are spoken by Paul, that gospel. It's the Lord. It's, it's, it's really, you think about it, and this whole process of Paul speaking to Lydia, and uh, maybe Silas was able to, to talk with her as well. And you see the process, and God had made ready this person. God had prepared her. God had opened her ears, her heart, and she was willing and ready to listen. And when the message was received, she received it, and she believed and in Acts chapter 16, verse 15, And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Lydia's whole household was baptized. What does that mean? That because Lydia trusted and believed in what Paul said, everybody else got saved too? No. Everyone has they have to personally receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It says that Lydia's household, Lydia apparently was a homeowner, and there is no mention of her husband. Um, she, have, she may have been a widow. And it seems that Lydia um, had, uh, I guess, maybe a, a strong sense of maybe leadership quality in her. And when she receives the message, she passes it on. And it's amazing that her whole household got baptized, meaning maybe that the, they saw Lydia and they realized, wow, you know, that message, I want that for myself as well. And it seems everyone in the household believed. 
and she had influence on her family. And I, I don't have time to go into the Philippian jailer, and we see um, the Philippian jailer and his whole household becoming saved because you, I guess you could say the leader got saved and everyone else kind of followed. I think maybe that's something that we can think about is, you know, there's, there's different leaders. Um, I appreciate when um, our brother, uh, brother Dave on Wednesday evenings on the prayer meeting, he prays for our, our leadership, our government. And I know a lot of uh, brothers and sisters who do that. You might disagree with what they say, their policies, the things that they hold to, but they still need the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our leaders. And Scripture even tells us to do so. We know that you can't believe and receive the gospel for someone else. It has to be done personally. And it's not by going to church. It's not by reading the Bible or praying, getting baptized, doing good deeds. None of those things can save you. The only thing that can save you is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we look into his word for that message. But you have to believe in that message. And we had a baptism not too long ago. And that message was shared. Getting baptized doesn't save you. There's no holy water that you can put on yourself and that allows you to go to heaven. It just doesn't work. Scripture doesn't teach that. But what the Scripture teaches is that when you, and I'm pointing down here, for those of you who don't know, there's a baptism down here. You might not be able to see it. But the people that got baptized, they were publicly declaring that they had committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that his blood shed was enough to pay for their sins. And they put their faith in that. that. That was their public declaration of that. After receiving the words and turning their lives over to Christ, we see Lydia's entire household doing the same. They get baptized. And then we see in verse 15, and when she got baptized, her and her household, what did they do? She reached out to Paul and his companions. And she said, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And I think this just is evidence of her works. Not that work saves you, but that when you get saved, your work should follow. You should want to do, be hospitable, caring, loving, as the Lord Jesus Christ was. And I think part of it has to do with her showing her thankfulness, her gratitude, because they just shared the greatest news, the gospel, to her, and not only to her, but her entire household. I mean, how amazing would it be if you and your whole family got saved in one day? I mean, praise God if that happens. And so, uh, just uh, wanted to close with that and uh, how important the gospel message is. I challenge you this week, if you, if you have trusted Christ, if you know the goodness of the Lord, if you know the joy of the Lord, if you know the peace of God, and if you, those people in Vegas who don't know the Lord, their families, the ones that died, and the ones that are still alive, the ones that are still alive, They're going through heartbreak, sorrow. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn to. But if you're a believer, you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, the comforter of all comforters. And I challenge you this week to think about what's gone on, this tragedy, and maybe maybe it'll spur us on to look at the people around us while we're driving maybe down the freeway, while we're walking down the street. We see someone and, and think about them as a lost soul. And really... 
be motivated and have that desire to reach out to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we again, we, we, as we looked into your word, we are so thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's this good news that we have heard, that we have believed in, believed in that has saved us. And Father, we pray this morning that if there's anyone here who maybe has questions, maybe has some doubt about uh, their spirituality or uh, their condition spiritually or what might happen if they die, all these things, Father, I just pray that uh, this morning they would make that right, that they would understand, seek the answers truly with a, a genuine heart, wanting to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And Father, for those of us who have known the love of God, looking to the cross, having been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we just pray that you would give us a heart for the lost. Help us to understand that we don't have much time left. And Father, that you would, you would help us to help us to just love people as you have loved. We thank you that your love is so great. And Father, even while we were your enemies, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for us. We just ask that we would have the, the boldness to relay that message. In Jesus' name, amen.